Hey everybody, welcome into a very special bonus episode of the Haven Podcast, and that is my official review for Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I don't kind of know where to start with this movie, but whew, a lot of thoughts and feels. Um, got a chance to go see it yesterday, um, late afternoon, so I've had a couple hours in the night to kind of sleep on it and digest, etc. Um, as my loyal listeners do know, this was a movie like most Marvel movies that I'm very, I was very, very excited about. I was very curious to see how safe Marvel was going to play it, where they would take the story of Spider-Man. I know there's a little bit of weirdness with Sony still technically owning the Spider-Man movie IP and things of that nature, but I was curious to see what they were going to do with this character, what directions they were going to take with him, as well as how much from the fallout of Avengers Endgame they were really going to kind of explore and toy with because kind of thinking to myself and back at it there was a, a multitude of ways they could go and really let certain things breathe but to kind of give you the cliff notes version before I go into the detailed spoilerish portion of it which I will give a warning before we go into um, overall my grade for this movie Spider-Man Far From Home is I walked out feeling a solid B and actually kind of sleeping on it and thinking more and more about it. I'm going to go with a B minus. So uh, as you can tell, not a bad movie, but it's just, I don't know. I expected, I think, a little bit more from this film. They decided to do things um, that I have stated before on the podcast that I was worried that they would have done, that they would have played it safe in certain regards. And I think they did. They tried to do some fakes that were kind of... I don't know, just for the sake of doing them, like these little like, oh, what a twists, things of that nature. And it was just like, Ugh, OK, um, overall direction wise, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a well shot movie. There was nothing that I saw transition wise or on the editing floor that I think really bugged me too much. There are a couple of scenes in general that I think go on a little too long and are a little long in the tooth and doesn't really add anything more to the story or they could have kept it a little more short and sweet in certain regards. So you have that aspect of it. Tom Holland, of course, is back as Spider-Man, and he he is amazing. He is my definition of uh, what Spider-Man should be, if that makes sense. Um, and he doesn't disappoint here, but I think he's actually at its core, at his core a very very talented actor, and I think there was a lot of moments in this movie that presented itself that if they were more. Uh, if they decided to go more of in a certain direction that I was hoping they would have gone in, he could have stretched his acting legs out a little bit more, like really show off his acting chops. And there's glimpses of that, which are great. But then it comes back to, you know, like it, it just overall, it's like, what does it mean with this movie? Like the villains itself, like Mysterio's cool. Like Jake Gyllenhaal, I thought did an amazing job, but at towards the end of it, he does go towards this, like, it gets kind of cheesy in certain moments. That's all I'll say before, because I'm very, very scared of spoiling anything on this journey for anybody. But yeah, it's a B minus movie for me. Disappointed overall, but I thought Tom Holland was great. Uh, but he could have been so much more. They could have done so much more with this movie and really thrown caution to the wind and had it an, an, made an amazing feel, film. And I think coming off the heels, especially of Avengers Endgame, they missed so many marks and they played it so fucking safe. And it's like, ugh. And I'm starting to have this gut feeling of like, am I noticing kinks in the Marvel movie armor a little bit? I had Endgame, which, as I've said before, had its flaws. But for me, it just hit every little nook and cranny that I needed and wanted 
this culmination of an Avengers movie to hit, and they did that for me tenfold. I feel going into Endgame, you know, with Captain Marvel, I did not enjoy that film whatsoever. I've talked about that before. So I was like, okay, it's Spider-Man. This is a great character to lead off and basically extend the ending, if you will, coming off of the heels of Endgame and everything there. And there's so many good connections. And he's such a wonderful character to really help carry the torch onto the next phase. And I did get, I think, a little more excited when Marvel did announce that, oh, Spider-Man Far From Home is going to close out our latest phase. You know, it's not going to be Endgame. So I was like, okay, they got a plan. This is good. Then I watched this and I'm like, okay, I kind of see their plan a little bit, but you are busy setting up what's coming next for certain characters, which I understand why, but you could have used this as a golden opportunity to really close off a lot of the loopholes very, very well and quite seamlessly, to be honest with you, if you just stuck to the plan and you decided to make it, I don't know, just, it's kind of just lame how they did it. So um, with that said, should you go see Spider-Man Far From Home? I Yeah, I mean, if you if you love the character, it's still a good representation. Like, this isn't bad for me in, in the same vein as, like, Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man or, you know, the Andrew Garfield films or anything of that nature. Um, is it, it's not even close to uh, Enter the Spider-Verse or Homecoming whatsoever. Like, I absolutely love Spider-Man Homecoming. That is... Um, oh, such a great movie, and it's such a great movie representing Spider-Man. And this, I think they missed the mark quite a bit on stuff. So, yeah, solid B-. minus. Um, go see it if you're invested already or you love the character. Should you go pay full price for it? I mean, my fandom wants me to say, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's Spider-Man. But there's a part of me, too, that's like, okay, take off your Homer hat and really be honest and... I think you can avoid paying full price for this movie. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a little over the top with it. I, and I expected and wanted so much more from this film that did not even come close to those marks I had in my brain. And I understand if someone's listening to this and be like, well, that's on you, dude. Like, you had the hype level. I'm just trying to go for a good movie. So it is a good movie-ish, kind of. I mean, it's there is some plot holes to it. There's some stuff that's just kind of lingering. And you're like, why the hell did they do this? Or why didn't they do that? And everything like that. So B minus, so take that for what it's worth. Um, I don't think if you pay full price, you'll walk out angry. It's not like Aquaman. So yeah, maybe go see it full price. I think that works. But I'm going to take a little 10 second break here on the mic because you know I love 10 seconds of dead air as I record um, here. And we're going to get into spoiler territory. So okay we're back we're going into full-on spoiler territories of spider-man far from home so if you haven't seen the film um stop it right here go see it come back and listen to it if you don't i understand uh maybe you love it and you're like i'm not going back to that podcast to hear this guy shit all over it uh completely understandable but let's go ahead and jump into full-on spoilers of this film so our movie starts off with kind of I thought it was interesting how they started the movie off. It was, you know, um, Nick Cage, not, not Nick Cage, Nick Fury and um, Hill, Agent Hill showing up. So Samuel Jackson, Kobe Smulders come back to reprise their roles in the MCU. And they're in this town in Mexico that's been devastated by something. And they're like, what the hell is this? this is cray cray. And then all of a sudden here comes some green gas and it's Mysterio uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. 
and he's like, who the hell are you guys? And then it just cuts hard there. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a weird way to set it up. So then you go into, now these are some of the things in the movie. And for me, there's some things they do that I really love. There's a few things they do that I like, and there's a lot more that I dislike. But this is one of the aspects of it. And I'm trying to remember if and when this was adapted from the comics or if it was a little bit tweaked. I remember there's there's several instances in this film that I think I remember because it's so fresh in my head from Spider-Man, the PS4 video game, where, for example, you see it starts off with Spidey in his infinite infinity suit um, and he's with Aunt May. And they're at this, like, homeless shelter, help-deprived people, that kind of stuff. And he's, like, raising money and everything like that. So I remember that boom, you know, from Spider-Man, the video game, the PS4 version. And, again, it's probably adapted from the comics, and I'm just not remembering it. But that's how it's fresh in my mind. And there's a couple instances of that in this movie. So they do that. I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's relatable. And he's – then you start seeing it. You start seeing Spidey, you know – what's the word I'm looking for? You start seeing Spidey trying to deal with now and Peter Parker, the limelight, the spotlight that's bright on him now with Iron Man gone and, you know, the events of what they called in the movie. In this movie, they they labeled it a blip. And I actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. I love how they started the movie with the high school and they kind of just gave you the quick notes version of it. And it's like, hey, this happened. Half of the classmates disappeared. When they came back, they were the same age. And a bunch of other people that we were in our class with, they grew up five plus years. And so things were a little bit screwed up. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, Blip's an interesting name for it. Okay, like, but it's cool. I like how they did that. So you see Peter and Ned kind of, you know, reconnect together and everything. And, you know, they're up to their kid shenanigans, which I personally love. They're like, oh, we're going to Europe on this vacation trip for the school. I'm going to try to get some booty. That's what Ned's saying. We're single Americans. And Peter's like, dude, I just want to, like, you know, tell MJ how I feel. So, again, at, at its core, it's it's innocent. It's hopeful. It's him trying to get in the back into this feeling of routine and an empowerment of his life, you know, as a kid, because that's what he wants to be. But as he's trying to struggle with that on one hand, he's also struggling with all these people saying to him, like, are you the next Iron Man? Are you the next this? Are you taking up that mantle? That in itself is a very, very powerful yet simple question you can raise in a movie and base a lot of development and arc around. And I feel like throughout this movie, for the most part, they kind of hit it on the head a little bit or with with Spider-Man like they're, they're okay when they ask that Iron Man question because he's dealing with it where it's like I don't want this responsibility I don't want this mantle you know um, I just want to be a kid I want to do this but everyone wants me to be this thing that I'm not and there's some resolution with that towards the end with Happy which I was like okay that's cool the one thing they did not touch on which really fucking bugged me and I thought this is where this movie could have gone to another level they hardly at all, and I, actually, I'm trying to remember, and I can't remember one instance where you had any type of emotional scene, whether it was Peter solo or Peter with May, discussing what happened. That he fucking ashed away this young kid that is <clears throat> obviously the most, the youngest of the Avengers, with such great power, gets thrusted into the middle of this galactic world-ending uh, event. And he's a, uh, what's it called? He's a casualty of the first layer of it all, you know, the first wave. So, for example, you know, I don't know if the line in Endgame was like, oh, we were there and now we're here. And it's like, no, you could have definitely fleshed that out more of how this kid is dealing with that. And it's okay even with all these powers 
and with the responsibility that people are trying to put on your shoulders. And they had a great line in it, you know, with Happy where he's like, heavy's head that wears the crown. It's like, okay, you're you're hitting those marks for me. Keep it going. Like, what's up? Like, don't don't let off the pedal on this. So I thought you could have done this very, very interesting kind of A and B type of thing or both sides of the coin where Peter is struggling with want to be a kid. I just want that. I have crushes. This is great. But I am Spider-Man. Everyone needs a leader and a new icon to take this Iron Man mantle. So they kind of allude to two of those a bit. But this third one that really bugged me is like this event would fuck him up mentally on a lot of levels and really change his relationships with his friends with his family and even his friends like there's no communication about that whatsoever of what happened with the ashening and it's like what the fuck like everyone's like back to normal like this is so weird because they don't tell you like they allude to it's been a couple years like that's something he's going to struggle with and like go to therapy and everything so you kind of have that then you have like i said the aunt may scene and they allude to happy and aunt may kind of having like a, a, a summer fling you know and i was like oh that's cool and he's so he goes on this trip and you know shenanigans then ensue this was my problem with the film they looked at uh the guy from freaks and geeks with the glasses he's back as like one of the teachers and then what's his face from kirby enthusiasm he's like another science teacher so they bring both of these characters in and they this is where the movie really lost me where marvel went back to slapstick comedy so there's one scene in particular towards the first i think it's end of the first act where spider-man doesn't have his suit but one of these elemental monsters show up and starts destroying um i think they're in i think they're in italy or venice or something on the school trip and they're going to different places so again that's like a super cool idea and he starts destroying shit so spidey is like trying to do his best to like save everyone get everyone out of harm's way as this monster destroys everything and then that's when mysterio shows up and he you know saves the day kind of thing but in the process of a tower being destroyed or a bell tower that he's trying to save with his webbing you see Spidey like like Peter Parker. He hits his fucking forehead against the bell like twice because it's moving, and it gets very slapstick comedy. And then it's like over comedy relief with the two teachers. Like there's some stuff they put in where it's like, oh, this is funny, but then it goes over the top, and it's like you know less is better, guys. Like still remember what it is. But then you see so much of this movie too, where the focus is on Peter and his story. But there is a lot of screen time that they allocate to his friends where Peter's trying to tell you, I just want to, I want to be with my friends, be with MJ and protect them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The only friends that you are showing on screen for the majority of the time, like I get the MJ thing. I get the Ned thing. He's your guy in the chair, right? Which, but everyone else on your class trip are a bunch of assholes. Like, like with Flash and then there's this other dude they introduced that's like into MJ as well. It's like, what you haven't shown or done anything for me to prove that Peter would give a shit about these people. And this idea like, oh, he's Spider-Man, he's supposed to care for everybody. It's like, this guy is like trying to just have a good time and get away from all that bullshit. And maybe that's another arc that you input in this movie for Peter that he goes through of like, yeah, there's people I don't like that are personal assholes, but I got to protect them kind of thing. Maybe you allude to that a little bit more. Um, that could be too much like in the weeds. I get that. So again, that that's me more being picky, if anything. So you start kind of going through that process and you're like, because, you know, when I see a Spider-Man movie, I go into hoping like, I hope there's a lot of screen time of Spider-Man's friends. Remember that that short, blonde haired white lady from the first one that was in there for like not even three minutes? Oh, I really hope they flesh out her character in the form of her and Ned sparking a romance. And it's like, oh, my God, it's like they had Ned and they 
didn't know what to do with him, but they're like, we have to have him in this movie. So let's give him a a distraction to kind of assist Peter along the way on this journey, but not allocate too much screen time to him, where the audience would ask, where is Ned? Why isn't he involved in this current moment? That's what it felt like to me. Um, I think they should have just done more of a focus where... I, I don't know. It just it just seemed really jarring and all this stuff. And they and and then the other thing they do too is like that really got on my nerves. Is it's like the people that wrote this is like, all right, guys, we know we're writing a Spider-Man movie, but he's in high school still. We don't want to make it too hot and heavy for everyone in terms of the emotional, mental aspects of it all. However, what we got to make sure is that when kids see this, they can relate. So let's go on Urban Dictionary and search some of the common terms that these kids use through their sexting nowadays and use that a lot. If there was one more fucking adult who said ghosting, I was going to put my fucking head through the wall. And it was cringy. It was so uncomfortable and so not organic seeing the word ghosting come out of Happy's mouth or ghosting coming out of Nick Fury's mouth. And they kept using like like a wink and a nod to the camera. Almost like, see, we're hip and cool, the writers. We know what the kids are talking and how they talk. And it's like, Ugh, you guys are killing me. So um, it, it was stuff like that. It was just so odd. And so when you start kind of going through the movie and he's struggling with that and he struggles with it for a while, but there's no like confrontation with it. And it's like, come on, like, somebody's have a talk with him. And then Nick Fury shows up and he's just an asshole the whole time or whatever. And uh, it's like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. It's edgy now because Fury said the word bitch. It's like, oh, God, like, I don't remember Fury saying that stuff, but okay. Um, and then you kind of just start going through it and you see this this uh, mentorship, you know, build with Mysterio's character, or Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio character and Peter. And they're really relatable. So that felt great. Like, I loved how they did that. That was organic and honest. I mean, it made sense, the arc of their relationship. So it gets to the point they destroy what they think is all the elementals, which is like, that whole thing was fucking stupid. It was so horribly executed. It was CGI porn monsters. And I'm just like, at no point did I ever feel like anybody was at threat or, yeah, in threat of something happening. I never bought that from the movie because they're just giant CGI monsters. There's nothing relatable. It's like you're telling me to be scared or fearful that something could happen to everybody because they're big and scary and they yell. And I'm just not buying that. So that was a really wasted opportunity, especially coming off the heels of Vulture, who I loved in Homecoming and the little twist they did with that. So they go through the Mysterio arc, they befriend each other, and then boom, 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 we got to have a twist. Mysterio's a bad guy, just like he was in the comics, and he's full of mystery and little gooks and gags and gotcha moments, and it's like, ugh. And I, I think the idea of how he does his, you know, trickery and why he did his trick or how he does his trickery didn't bother me or anything like that, because there is a sequence in this movie where... Peter is what was the freaking thing um it reminds me of like Batman a little bit whenever he gets hit by Scarecrow's gas you know like from the Nolan series and in the, in the TV show where he starts going having these psychedelic dreams almost it's kind of like that for Peter when he fights Mysterio and Mysterio reveals himself to be the bad guy so there is a sequence in this film where you see him go through like all these different layers that whole way it was shot, it was presented. I fucking loved it. I was like, this is so cool. And Mysterio's costume looks cool. And Jake Gyllenhaal's is fucking so in on this movie and this character. And he loves being on set. Like, I, I bought into 
all that shit hook, line, and sinker myself. But when you start kind of go through something we talked about going into the movie, they allude to in the trailer that he is from a multiverse, right? They allude to that he that oh maybe Mysterio isn't a bad guy, and they went back on it and they did it. Yeah, the, the, they just they just went back to being safe, and it's like why can't Mysterio be the fucking good guy? Why can't Mysterio be from another world and actually mentor Peter and kind of help him along the way? Like that would be really fucking cool. So, but they needed something. They needed a catalyst to keep it moving because the core of their character of their movie in terms of the antagonist was so fucking dull and lame. They needed something to keep the movie going. Otherwise, the movie would have been over an hour and a half. And they can't have that, obviously. So the whole, like, multiverse thing and Mysterio, I guess, is all bullshit. And that was just really lame. That would have tied up all the endgame questions, I think, in a lot of ways. And shows consequences from our heroes and the decisions they make. And they're too busy living in the moment of you know, not understanding their responsibility and the weight of the crown on their head, as Habby Hogan said, and what that means for other people in other realms. So, um, like a little background firework noise that was not added in post. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, oh shit, they did what I hoped they didn't do and all that stuff. And the thing is too, with Mysterio, when he does unveil his plan, like, oh, I'm a bad guy. I'm tricking everybody, Nick Fury and Spidey and blah, 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 and all this stuff. It's like, okay, so he's just an asshole. Like, that's all that is. And he's like, no, I like Peter. And it's like, no, you're just a piece of shit. That's all you are. And it's this idea that the bad guy is this cliche evil dude. I'm just kind of over it. At least with, like, Vulture, there was a reason. There's reasons upon reasons why you knew he did what he did. But at the end game of it all, that's what happened with Mysterio. It was somebody else being pissed off about something that Tony Stark did to them. And, like, the whole scene was fucking weird in the bar um, when he finally gets these glasses that are given to Peter by Tony, um, and it's like, hey, this controls all this defense shit. First off, I'm fucking confused. So Tony Stark had this set of sunglasses that was adapted in a way where he could launch, like, what, nuclear strikes or whatever, or drone strikes from anywhere in the world because of this orbiting satellite that had all the drones baked in around the planet Earth. Okay... Like, I can buy that idea of it somewhat because it's like Tony Stark, right? But wait a minute, wasn't Tony Stark like all fucking anti-weapons? But he developed this intricate, fucking really crazy weapon of mass destruction and kept it a secret? That just shits on his whole fucking character and his arc and what he went through. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, so that really was jarring to me. But Jake Gyllenhaal's gets it. And he, like, goes through the bar and he's, like, doing this fucking announcement shit to, like, all these people that were in on it, you know, because he's Mysterio. He's all about gooks and gags and gotchas. And he starts giving this, like, whole fucking spiel and just exposition galore with everybody in the bar. Like, let's make a toast. Hey, Rob. Yeah, remember when Tony fucking used the last of your toilet paper? That's why you're here and you're pissed. Hey, Margaret. Remember when fucking Tony invited you out for dinner because he was trying to get in your pants? Fuck that guy. Me too, ladies. And then he's like, oh, hey, Steve over there. Hey, come over here, Steve. Remember that time that fucking Tony didn't give you a lift in his car in his Audi R8? Yeah, fuck him. And they start going through all this shit. And, like, I love the first guy they showed, the bald dude, that was, like, the first guy they showed, they gave him a huge thing, right, of, like, oh, why is he, he used to work for Tony Stark. What's his backstory of why he hates Tony? And he's teaming up with Mysterio to, like, fuck over Tony's legacy, I think. I still don't know his motive, to be honest with you. And the one thing they show for this guy, the very first bald guy, 
of why he should be butthurt at Tony has absolutely nothing to do with Tony Stark. In fact, it was Joe Badiah from the first Iron Man. So why the fuck is the bald-headed guy pissed at Tony Stark? What the fuck did Tony do? Joe Badiah is the one that calls you an asshole for not building an arc reactor in a professional lab. And... Like, it's nothing to do with Tony Stark. Why? Because he's he's a really smart guy. That's why you hate him. Like, fuck you. Like, you're just adding fuel to the fire and making shit up so people, so you can try to get the audience to buy into this idea that all these people in this room are plotting and came together for their hatred of Tony. And it's like, ugh, okay. And then he goes through like three, four people. And that's just Marvel. Like, hey, remember this guy from this movie? Oh, remember this character from uh, Civil War? Oh, yeah, he was in there too. All beef with Tony. And that was the thing too. Like, they CGI'd, um, or not CGI, but they copied and pasted Jake Gyllenhaal into that scene in Civil War when he's doing the augmented reality Tony is for his therapy and he's like really angry and pissed off about it. I'm like, okay, guys, not everything has to connect. So you don't have to put these characters in all these famous scenes or memorable scenes from past Marvel movies to get us to buy in. It really is not necessary. And yeah, it was just like fucking hell. And I mean, I know it sounds like Danny, all you're doing is shitting on the movie. Like, what did you like? The fight scenes in it were good for the most part, but again, it's like these people that wrote the script played a lot of Ubisoft video games, and they're like, oh, we need drones, lots of drones, and it's like, oh god, you guys are really mailing it in on this, aren't you? But there are fight scenes in general that I'm like, oh, that's good, that Mysterio scene was really cool, Spider-Man suits, even like his like ghetto, um, like, I'm gonna rob you suit, or break into your house, the cat burglar one. Even that was cool. Even that worked a little bit, even though I don't know how that protects him from a fucking fire monster, but whatever. So, anywho, like, that was cool. But, like, some of the acting, for the most part, was kind of like, ooh, this is pretty bad and cringy. And it's just, like, they just totally missed the mark on this movie. And it could have been something so unique and special. But, yeah, back to the Jake Gyllenhaal's thing and Mysterio, his reason for turning bad and faking everybody out to gain their trust... I'm still trying to fucking figure it out because he kept saying like, we need to create an illusion, an Avengers level of threat, right? To, I guess, be famous or be rewarded by the queen. And it's very fucking all over the place and like earn their trust. And it's like, listen, dude, in the bar, he made you an official Avenger. Spider-Man did. So you already got that off the list, but he keeps like, we got to do something and see that if we create this class or, um, this huge world altering event, right? This threat. We got to make sure the Avengers aren't around because they could fuck up our plans. Dude, you just infiltrated Nick Fury and Maria Hill's like HQ. You got into their inner circle. If anyone's going to know about the Avengers and where they are, it's them. And you found that out in the first fucking like 30 minutes even of the movie. You were all in with them. They trusted you. So I am so fucking confused. And it's just like, we just got to make shit up to keep it going. And so that was so disappointing. Um, seeing the romance, and I got to give credit to What's-Her-Face. Uh, she only has like one name. Um, MJ. She was like that really weird, not goth, but just kind of like, I'm I'm odd and awkward. And, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. Like that whole personality. Thank God someone said to her, get, like, get out of that shell. And they changed that character like about halfway through the film or so and she really changes her character and kind of opens up a lot more and it makes her a little bit more relatable and everything like that because you know I, I I look at that character and I'm like how is she gonna support fucking Spider-Man because she finds out supposedly you know or she found on herself or some stupid th- segment they had in the movie 
where she's like, oh, no, yeah, Peter, I know you're Spider-Man. And he's like, yes, I am. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is fucking huge. You know, like he's letting somebody in that he loves and really cares for. That is huge. So I thought their relationship kind of coming together was super sweet and very genuine. I really enjoyed that. Like after the final battle, like they kiss a couple times and they kind of like make out just a little bit. And I was like, God, this is so like, like it made me feel like when I was a kid his age. You know, it's very awkward. Things are weird. And it's even more weird for this kid because he's fucking a superhero. So I thought that was great how they did that. I really enjoyed that. And that was cute. So you start kind of going through it. And again, like I said, there's a lot of, there's a few things to really like, a handful of things to love and a lot of things to dislike. But there's so many strokes in this movie of like, an, of what could have been an incredible Spider-Man movie and just an incredible movie in general. And they totally shit the bed with it. So you kind of go through, Peter finally, you know, is like that was the other thing the spider sense thing that was a big proponent of the third act of how they were going to propel it where everyone's like oh your spider sense or they call it pd sense your pd tingles or something was is inconsistent right okay cool and they never really explain why it's inconsistent why all of a sudden it kicks in when he absolutely needs it to when he fights mysterio in the last act and everything so it's kind of like all right again just making shit kind of magically happen for the sake of the story. Uh, all right. So you kind of go through and, and you get to the end of it. Now I will say <clears throat> the end credit scenes, there's two of them. And, oh, I, I do want to say, I do want to touch on real quick. The one thing they did in this movie that I really liked that they went this direction. I hope they keep doing this and they develop it more. I wasn't expecting that. There is an amazing scene when you're going into the third final act. It's at the bottom, you know, where Peter's against the wall. He knows he's been betrayed by Mysterio. He's gotten his ass kicked. We've seen and felt that before in superhero movies. But now it's time for him to to man the fuck up and, and get in there and win this fight and do what's right. So you see him on the private jet with Happy and they have this really touching moment. Again, it could have been a little bit more throughout the film and even here, but... He touches on it where he has the best fucking line where Happy says to him, I loved this, to Pete, where he's like, I don't think Tony would have done what he did if there wasn't a, if he knew that when he was gone, there wasn't going to be a Spider-Man here. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Where it's like, no, you need to rise up and take this mantle. Like you are not the next Iron Man. You're the next Spider-Man and we need a Spider-Man right now. And I think you kind of have this epiphany moment and I just wish it would play it out a little bit better on screen with Tom Holland where he's like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. And he goes through and you see him like, there's a really cool moment where he's like, and it just kind of gave me goosebumps. Even now just saying it, it gives me some. He's on the fucking plane. And Hoepe's like, dude, you need a suit. And he's like, all right, this is what it is, blah, blah, blah. And there's a suit maker in the back. So it's so fucking cool because he goes there and he like starts talking. He starts interfacing with the UI. And Pete's like, okay, bring up the Spider-Man folder. And there's all these fucking mock suits of Spider-Mans that Tony's made. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is so fucking sweet. And there's like a couple little Easter eggs. There's like a Spider-Man 2099 reference in it, like a little hollow of it. And I'm like, oh, shit, dude. So he starts picking it apart. Peter does. And just customizing the suit, the look and, and, and its abilities, you know, and everything like that. So he starts doing all this stuff. And he's like in a moment. And Javi just has this moment where he looks at him like, like he's seeing Tony again. And I'm like, fuck, this is a really great scene. This is hitting me in the right spots in the right way on so many levels, right? So he goes through and you see him and he's like, I'll take care of the music. So he puts on, you know, 
um, fucking ACDC and everything. He's like, I love Black Sabbath. And they cut too, but just seeing Peter work and he grabs the gauntlet as he's like kind of fucking adjusting stuff. And it's like so Iron Man where it's like an Easter egg. It's a callback, but it's not cheesy in a way. It's just well done. I wish at that moment with the music, he put something on and... Peter just said like, Hey, do you have something else? You know? And he, he went to a different song just to kind of establish like I'm, I'm following in Iron Man's footsteps, but I'm not going to travel the same exact path that he once did. That's kind of what I was morally hoping for. So, and you know, overall they did give this look and feel. And again, I hope this continues. We're happy with such a calming force and a stopping Peter breathe. I got you. Like, I'm going to be your, your Alfred. And that's the relationship they alluded to between Bruce Wayne and Alfred. And I fucking loved that. I was like, this is so cool. I wasn't expecting that. Keep it going. Um, so now to the end credit scene before we wrap up, because we're hitting about 33 minutes here in a second. The end credit scenes for me, there's two of them. The first one I fucking loved because it goes from the end of the movie where they go on a first date, MJ and Peter, he's in a Spider-Man garb and he picks her up and they start fucking web slinging. And again, there's a moment too for the PS4 video game where Peter is swinging and he swings and he has his fucking phone out and he takes a selfie while he's in midair throwing up the peace sign. And I'm like, this is so fucking cool. And so you have that and it just looks great. And he's just fucking Spider-Man web because we didn't get a lot of web slinging in this movie. So this is him just web slinging across fucking Manhattan and he's looking great. It's awesome. He picks up MJ and she's like crapping her pants, you know, like this is like, it's just so cool. And it's, it's what you would expect a kid to do at 16 or whatever years old that has fucking superpowers. It's like so rad. So you go into the first end credit scene. They stop swinging. She's like, I'm not doing that again. And then boom, another PS4 reference, or it could be from the comics, excuse me, where on <clears throat> the big Titan Tron thing in uh, Times Square, fucking J. Jonah Jameson appears. And it's fucking J.K. Simmons reprising his role of J. Jonah Jameson from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I know that was a huge, massive fan uh, uh, thing that the fans wanted. And for Marvel to do that and be like, we're going to fucking muddle the lines a little bit, bringing the actor back. But here you guys go. And he did look different, which was great. But he's hosting a show. He's hosting the Daily Bugle, or it's like the dailybugle.net or something, as Alex Jones from InfoWars, which is fucking brilliant, you know? And again, that's from the PS4 side of the game that I remember most recently, at least. So I was like, this is this is doing it for me. And it was so good seeing J.K. Simmons, because he is J. Jonah Jameson. And... He's like, oh, breaking news video that we got from blah, blah, blah. And that was the other twist where Mysterio does go ahead and reveals an attempt. And he like kind of fucks up the film a little bit and everything where he is like, boom, I'm from a different world kind of thing. I was betrayed by Spider-Man because he's a fucking lunatic and he wants to blow the world up. So you already have this 16 year old kid being injected into basically being a world known fugitive now or having to answer questions by from this video this claim that he's a fucking terrorist and i was like holy shit dude this is so freaking cool and he's like and i love what he kicks to because at the very end uh toby or not toby mcguire uh jake gyllenhaal you know as mysterio turns to the camera before you know he officially dies and stuff and he's recording this and says um and his name is peter parker and it's like oh shit dude he fucking real so like that sets up a plethora of really cool and interesting stories to tell for spider-man down the road if they decide to tell him and actually stick with that you know um but and then they cut to spider-man where he just like oh and they cut away and i'm like oh this is so good then they get to the second one 
Now, in the second end credit scene, it's Nick Fury, it's Maria Hill driving in their SUV, and they've been throughout the movie throughout, right? So um, Agent Hill turns into a squirrel. And I was like, shit, like, what the fuck? Like, was she a squirrel the whole time? And then Nick Fury turns into one. And it's the two squirrels from Captain Marvel. So it's like, okay, so you guys are still alive in this existing universe. Blah, blah, blah. Got that. And then he calls... Nick Fury on the phone, the actual Nick Fury, and is like, yeah, things went wrong, gives him a quick recap of the movie, which I was like, ah, alright, and then Nick Fury's like, he says something, I don't remember, and he's like, alright, that's cool, and then he's like, walking away, and he's like in this hologram on the beach and stuff, and Nick Fury's on a giant spaceship somewhere in space, so I assume that's like the big mothership for the Kree, so I'm like, so confused of what's going on, so it's like, alright, are the Kree now on Earth, and like, are they back, like, what's going on, was it just a favor, it's stuff like that where I was just like, really, do you have to take Nick Fury to space? Like, that's what this movie needed. But anywho, um, yeah, I think those are all the major beats and hits I wanted to kind of touch on and get to everybody. So with that said, that's going to do it for me today. I won't be posting this uh, clearly, as you can tell, onto last week's uh, TV and movie focused episode. It's going to be its own little thing, which is great. But with that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Um, let me know what you thought. How did you like Spider-Man Far From Home? And there's a lot of ways you can let me know your opinions. In the description of this, there should be a link to Anchor to send in a audio question to me, or you can send them in to the HavenPC at gmail.com. Or, last but certainly not least, um, you can connect with us on our official Instagram page. Links in the description, as always, for that stuff. But, yes, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed my review of Spider-Man Far From Home. But stay tuned. We have a lot more content coming on the Haven Podcast channel today and this week. Hopefully now I can start getting back in a routine on certain stuff and uh, just be a little bit more reliable with the content, a little more steady, if you will. So, again, thank you, guys. Um, support the podcast if you'd like. If not, in the words of Henry Cavill Superman's mother, rate, review, subscribe to your podcast listening platform of choice. Or not. You don't know this guy anything. <laughs> It gets me every time. All right, guys. Take care, and I will talk to you soon.